Hey guys, welcome back to the Read to Me podcast. I'm Miss Busen, and today is August 10th, 2020. Last time, Nisha and her family had finally made it to Rashid Uncle's house. Um, so they've been living there for a while now and being very secretive, very quiet, so that no one else knows that they are there. They have to be very careful. Let's see what happens next. September 3rd, 1947. Dear Mama, today I saw something. It was a normal thing to see, but to me I thought I might be dreaming. That's what Emil means about things not feeling real. A regular person can seem like a vision. I was looking out the window. There was a house maybe a hundred feet away. Our bedroom window looks toward the other house's back patio and garden. I was watching a dry leaf swirl and twist in the wind, and she suddenly appeared. Why hadn't I noticed her before? I closed my eyes for a second, wondering if she would be there when I opened them. She remained, even clearer than before, with a glistening black braid down her back, simply playing, not running or hiding, just being. I turned quickly to tell Emil and saw him drawing on some newspaper advertisements that Dottie gave him. He sat on the floor, cross-legged, his back to me hunched over his work, and I decided to keep watching without saying a word. The girl lay sticks on the ground in circles. Then she stood and tossed pebbles into them. I squinted and watched her more. She spun around, smiled, and moved her mouth like she was talking to herself, until she was called in, probably by her mother. It was hard to tell, but she looked about my age, maybe a little younger. Does she not have any siblings? I never knew anyone who didn't, and I wonder if something bad happened to them. As I watched her play, I felt the urge to climb out the window and join her. The desire felt so strong I had to grip the windowsill to keep me in place. She disappeared as quickly as she appeared. If I were allowed to play with her, I would talk to her. I promise, Mama. I wouldn't waste it. It's like the rules are different now. I wonder what would happen if she saw me. Love, Nisha. September 4th, 1947. Dear Mama, I didn't see the girl today. I probably imagined her. Maybe I just dreamed of her and my memory is all mixed up. But I couldn't stop thinking about it. Rashid Uncle stayed out most of the day, then carved wood outside under a tree. I really want to be friendly with him so I can find out more about you. But he doesn't seem to want to be with us. All Papa and Dottie do is read the papers, discuss things in whispers, and drink cup after cup of watery tea. Rashid Uncle brings back food, which is the most exciting part of the day. I try to read the papers, but Papa and Dottie won't let us. I manage to sneak looks at the headlines. Sometimes I see a string of words. India-Pakistan officials discuss new potential violence. Or, communal strife continues. Or, Gandhi fasts for peace. Then they shoo me away. Papa did talk a little about Gandhi's fast. He told us Gandhi said he wouldn't eat until people stopped fighting. Maybe it will work. Maybe tomorrow will be the day we taste true freedom. At night, they take the papers to bed with them and hide them under their mattresses, or have Rashid Uncle put them outside. Why don't they want me to see what I already know now? That the world is broken. Love, Nisha. September 5th, 1947. Dear Mama, I did something today, Mama. I'm not sure why I did it after everything that happened with the man and his knife. I know now that this new world is dangerous, but are Emil and I just supposed to live here inside like prisoners? I'm so sorry, Mama. Your house is lovely, but lately I feel so angry and I don't know why or exactly at who. What would Gandhi say? Would he be disappointed in me? Papa would. I just want to be free. Wasn't independence from the British supposed to be free? Supposed to free us? We've never been less free. The girl came back when Emil, Papa, and Dottie were in the dining room. 
Papa now lets Emile sit at the table and draw. Papa knows Emile is not going to try to read over his shoulder. I didn't mind being alone. I wanted to watch out the window in case I wasn't dreaming. She didn't come out all morning, but then after lunch she was there, as if she'd been there all along. When I saw her, I felt like someone threw cold water on my face. I'm not imagining things. She is real. She sat on the ground, braiding and unbraiding her hair, biting her lip with a scowl. Each time she did it, she shook her head and started to undo it. After a while, she looked up. I raised my head fully over the window ledge. I waited for her to look in my direction. Papa, Dottie, and Emile seemed quiet enough. She turned toward me, and I stuck my hand out the window and waved. She seemed to raise her hand as if to wave back, but then she lowered it and quickly ran inside. My heart beat so fast I thought my chest was going to explode. What if she told her family I was there? Would we be in danger? Would people come after us like the man in the woods did? I spent the rest of the day sitting in the corner, staring at my feet. I was probably too far away for her to see me. I tried to tell myself. I was afraid if I moved, something terrible would happen. What's wrong, Nisha? Emile asked me. Nothing, I said. But something is, Emile said. I can tell. I'm just sad, I told him. He nodded, looking carefully at my face. You don't look sad. You look scared, he finally said. Just go away, I murmured. Sometimes I hated that Emile knew me so well. I didn't dare look out the window again, and nothing happened. Love, Nisha. September 6th, 1947. Dear Mama, This morning I decided to peek out the window for a second, and there she was. Nobody came to talk to us or heard us since I waved yesterday. Emil sat on his bed drawing pictures in the air, humming softly to himself. I was glad he wasn't paying attention. She sat on the ground. I couldn't see exactly what she was doing. I lifted up the window and leaned out a bit. It looked like she was weaving necklaces and bracelets out of weeds. That was something I always liked to do outside. I remembered the party when we left, weaving necklaces with my cousins. Could it really be so wrong if I played with her? After she finished, her head turned around toward me again. I moved closer to the center of the open window and she looked me dead in the eye. After a few seconds, I waved again, holding my breath. This time she waved quickly before running back inside. A tingly feeling ran through my body, like I had opened a gift covered in shiny English wrapping paper and bows. What are you waving at? Emil asked me, looking up from the floor. Nothing, I said. He got up and looked outside. Then he looked back at me. Did you see someone out there? I didn't answer. He watched me, hands on his bony hips, squinting harder and harder. We stood there for a minute in a staring war. My nose started to twitch. I broke my gaze. It was a girl who lives in the house next door, I said, pointing toward it. But she's gone now. I turned my eyes toward the floor, the words falling out of my mouth. She waved at me. I raised my head and watched his eyes grow wide. Then he smiled. Brilliant, he said in English. I started to laugh, but I couldn't stop. Emil joined me. We laughed until tears began to run down our faces. After a minute, I wasn't sure if I was laughing or crying. Once Papa brought me home an English, brought home a British doctor who was visiting the hospital. After dinner, he and Papa smoked cigars in the living room and spoke in English while Emil and I secretly crouched by the door of our room and spied on them, trying to figure out what they were saying. We only knew a bit of English. The man kept saying the word, brilliant, after Papa spoke. The word seemed to please Papa and made his eyes sparkle. Emil and I figured it must mean something wonderful to make Papa look so happy. Sometimes we say it to each other when no one else is listening. It's the funniest word. It feels like feathers in my mouth. I couldn't keep the girl a secret from Emil, 
If Emil doesn't know about it, it's like it's not really happening. And I want it to be real, Mama. Love, Nisha. September 7th, 1947. Dear Mama, we waited for her together this morning when Daddy and Papa came, became absorbed in their reading. The girl came out but didn't look toward us. She didn't really do much of anything, just walked around in circles and occasionally squatted down and examined something on the ground. Let's give her a note somehow. Ask her to come over to the window, I whispered to him. He looked at me in surprise, his eyes twinkling with mischief. What if she tells on us? He asked as we looked at her as she now sat cross-legged on the ground, scrapping, scraping the dirt with a rock. I told him she wouldn't. I believed that she would already have told on me if she wanted to. We could tell her we'll, be all, we'll all be killed if she does, he said plainly. My mouth hung open. Would we? Maybe it was too dangerous. We should just leave her alone. But then I felt a growing rage deep in my chest. It was okay for a strange man to put a knife at my throat, but it wasn't okay for us to speak to a little girl playing in the back of her house. I put my hands on Emil's shoulders. Everything is dangerous now anyway. All we want to do is talk to a girl. It'll be okay. Emil thought about it. Let's check and see what Papa and Dottie are doing. We headed down the hallway through the sitting room and into the dining room, where Dottie and Papa looked up from the table. Why are you two sneaking about? Papa said in a low, hoarse tone. We're just playing around, Emil said. Playing around? Dottie asked. I shrugged, and Emil ignored her. Her color was back. That made me feel better. I sat down next to her. She patted my shoulder and folded the paper. Emil started pacing around the table, skipping a bit. Emil used to spend hours running around the gardens, playing with friends, skipping and hopping to and from school. It was awful to say, but in some ways walking in the desert, at least when we still had water, might have been easier for him than being cooped up like this. Just as Papa looked up at Emil, the annoyance flickering in his eyes, I heard something. It was a faint sound, but not a bird. I listened closer and realized it was a song being sung by a child, by the girl. We all raised our heads and listened. It was the sweetest sound I had heard in so long. I think Papa, Dottie, and Emil thought so too, because we all remained quiet and still until she stopped. But I was afraid somehow they'd know what we were about to do and that they'd want to look out the window toward the sound. The girl might see them and somehow that would be much worse than her just seeing us. After a few minutes, the song ended and Papa and Dottie started reading again, as if nothing had happened. I wondered why they did this, but maybe they were afraid of our questions. Emil drifted away to our room and I followed him. We watched her again. Now, she was digging a hole with a stick. Emil held out the torn edge of a newspaper in his palm. Where did you get that? From the pages Dottie gave me. We can wrap it around a little rock and throw it near her. It wouldn't go that far, I said. Then I imagined her coming over. We could talk to her out the window in whispers. We could find out things. Maybe she was as lonely as we were. I told Emil to get me a pencil after a few seconds. He quickly got one from his bag. I thought for a moment and wrote, Come to our window. We want to meet you, but don't tell anyone or bad things could happen. Emil nodded. Would Rashid Uncle's neighbors even be mad that we were here? What if Uncle was friends with them? Maybe they even knew we were here. I wondered again what the rules were exactly. Guard me, Emil said, grabbing the note and starting to climb out the window. 
Wait, I hissed at him. You're going outside? He stopped. How else am I going to get her the note? I pushed my head out the window and looked around. I couldn't see anyone else. Before I could say anything, Emil lifted both legs over the sill and suddenly he was standing on the ground outside. My heart pounded so hard my face throbbed. He picked up a small rock and wrapped the note tightly around it, walked a few feet closer and threw the rock toward the girl. She quickly glanced at it when it landed and looked up toward the direction where it came from, startled. Emil scrambled back inside. We ducked under the window for a few seconds until we got the courage to peek over the ledge. We watched her as she slowly walked over to the rock and picked it up. She squinted in the direction of our window, unwrapped the paper, and read our words. She gazed out again toward us and narrowed her eyes. We poked our heads up further. We've done it now, Emil said. I nodded. The girl looked around and slowly walked in our direction. We held our breath as she came closer and closer. She stepped over the low stone border and onto Uncle's property. When she stood about ten feet away, I could see she was younger than I had thought. Maybe only nine. Emil put his finger over his mouth. Whisper, he said. She nodded and came closer. Who are you? She asked. Where did the man with the broken face go? Emil looked at me with questioning eyes. He didn't know what to say. I opened my mouth, but I felt like I could faint. I closed it. I shook my head. She doesn't like to talk, he said, pointing to me. We're from Merperp Cuss. Are you staying here for a long time? She asked. No, Emil said. We're on our way back to the border. Oh, she said, and her eyes widened with understanding. So are you hiding here? She asked, her face growing worried. I swallowed. That's why you can't tell anyone we're talking to you, Emil said. She looked around quickly in fear and started to back away. Don't go, I said in a whisper and reached out as if to grab her hand. She wasn't close enough. Nobody's going to do anything if they don't catch us, I said, my voice a little bit louder. Emil gaped at me, his mouth hanging open. I shot him a mean look. The girl looked back and forth at us, still deciding if she wanted to stay. What's your name? I asked. Hafa, she said shyly. I'm Nisha. This is Emil, I said. Then Emil elbowed me in the ribs. I think I heard a chair move, he said. I looked back and listened. We have to go. Come visit us tomorrow in secret. Tell no one, I said in my most serious voice. She nodded and skipped away toward our house. I heard the creaky front door open and close. That meant Rashid Uncle was home. Do you think Uncle noticed anything? Emil whispered in my ear. I don't think you can see the back of houses from the path, but I'm not sure, I said, again my pulse racing. But Mama, can I tell you something? I felt so happy, I didn't care. You talked to her, Emil said. I just nodded, bits of joy sparking through my limbs. Nisha, Emil, come help for dinner, Papa called from the other room. We went and watched Rashid Uncle unpack the food. There were several sweet potatoes, green beans, two onions, and two cucumbers. He never got meat, though I was craving chicken or mutton. I don't know if he didn't eat it or thought we didn't. Maybe it was too expensive. My mouth watered at the thought of eating sweet potato, though. I couldn't remember the last time I had had one. I didn't know any recipes that Kazi made with them, but we could fry them with the onions and the beans. I could taste it, sweet, salty, and spicy altogether. I got to work rolling up my sleeves and clearing a space for chopping. Rashid Uncle handed me a knife. After talking to Hafa, I felt different, like maybe I could be a new person. Thank you, I said. Rashid Uncle looked at me surprised, and I met his eyes. 
He nodded and his mouth twitched. Then he started to measure the rice. We cooked quietly, and afterward I spooned the fried vegetables and rice in bowls. Wonderful, Papa said, taking in the bright orange cubes of sweet potato nestled among the fried green beans and onions. Then he patted his stomach. We all ate slowly, savoring it. Emil normally shoveled his food in so fast I wondered how he tasted anything, but even he seemed to slow down and enjoy it. We cleared our plates, and Emil and I washed everything. Papa and Dottie were having their last cup of tea for the night, and Rashid Uncle sat at the table carving like he usually did. I took in a deep breath. Emil watched me. What are you making? I asked Rashid Uncle. Then I handed him his little chalkboard that he wrote on. Dottie and Papa both put their papers down and looked at us. Rashid Uncle stopped and lowered his tool and small piece of wood. He had just started. It didn't look like anything yet. He took the chalkboard and a piece of chalk, moving slowly, carefully. A doll, he wrote. I thought of my old doll, D, and my stomach clenched. I nodded, but then my mouth went dry, and I knew the words were stuck. My face grew hot. I shook my head. Rashid Uncle looked at me carefully, studying my face. You have your mother's mouth, he wrote. I looked at Papa and Dottie. They seemed frozen. Emil moved closer to me. And you, your mother's eyes, he wrote and held it up toward Emil. Emil touched the corner of his eye. It makes me so happy to see your faces, he continued. He knew her. He could see her in our faces. It was like another universe had opened. Did you, was she, Emil stuttered, was she good to you? He asked. Rashid Uncle nodded. She loved you both before you were born, he wrote. I heard a little moan from Dottie like she was crying. I heard Papa clear his throat. My body felt like it was melting. Thank you, I whispered. It was the answer I had always wanted to hear. It almost made everything we had been through worth it. The tearing of India, the tearing of walls, then opening of something new, of this. You loved us, Mama. Love, Nisha. Okay, I think we're going to stop there today. Let's find out if Nisha becomes even more able to talk to her uncle and find out some more things about her mother. Join me next time.